All right, folks, Precision Pro. One advantage that low handicap golfers have that has nothing to do with the mechanics of their swing, it's that they approach every shot with all the right information. The more informed you are, the better your decision-making process is before you even swang that club. I rely on Precision Pro rangefinders to give me the precise information as I make my way through 18 holes, sometimes 36, MJ. I've carried several of their rangefinders around the world with me, and they've all been easy to use, incredibly fast, and most importantly, it gives me the exact yardage so I can choose the right club. You know, you need those two things. It's a relationship, folks. You can't just hit the same club on every shot, and you can't just hit the same yardage. All golfers need a rangefinder that they can trust. And I'm telling you that my boys over there in Cincinnati, I trust them. And I'm just saying that the Precision Pro is a brand I trust. My listeners also receive $20 off any of their great rangefinders. Just use the promo code ERIC at checkout for an extra $20 off, E-R-I-K, to add to one of their award-winning rangefinders to your bag this summer. You can even put it in your pocket. I do that too. It actually is, a, it's got a magnet too and it goes onto your cart. But if you put it on the cart, you might forget it. I've done it, folks. Don't do it to yourself. Don't do your, don't play yourself like that. Best of all, Precision Pro Golf is the only rangefinder that offers free lifetime battery replacements. So not only are you getting a rangefinder, you're signing up for a lifetime service. It's a commitment. It is a lifetime commitment. You literally hand in hand with Precision Pro. Well, I'm not sure where that came from. Anyway, it's all part of the industry-leading customer service that Precision Pro Golf delivers to every customer. Booyah. Swing with confidence, hit more greens, and with use – and I'm going to do that one more again. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. Later. What's up, friends? What's up? What's up, compadres? All right, folks. Jones Golf Bags. My friends over at Jones Bags and Grayson Clothiers – have come together to bring you something really cool and very exciting. And it's not Ice Cubes, folks. It's over the next few weeks, they will be uh, doing an Instagram contest where the winner will get a cool, a lot of cool references, folks. Clearly, it's cold up in the Pacific Northwest. I know Grayson is based in Detroit, otherwise known as Detroit. Charlie, great guy. These are all good people. $200 gift card is a winner going to get from the each company. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm struggling. As well as a FaceTime lesson. This is pretty chill. With none other than the former number one golfer in the world, Luke Donald, folks. Luke is a huge fan of both Jones and Grayson Clothiers and would love nothing more than to help you improve your golf game from the comfort of his own home. Your own home. I guess you'll both be at home. You're not going to his house, I'll tell you that. I mean, I know maybe you could slide into Luke Donald's DMs, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if you could, actually. If you slide into Luke Donald's DMs and he responds to you, text me a screenshot. Okay, I'm sure we could all use an extra golf lesson at this time. That is very true. I I was all over the place this morning. It was like scrambled eggs without a pan. Uh, all, you, <laughs> all you have to do to enter is post a picture or a video of your quarantine golf, and whether that's at home or your now open golf course, hashtag quarantine golf. You, do you know how to spell that? I'm going to try right now. Q-U-A-R-A-N-T-I-N-E-G-O-L-F. Quarantine golf hashtag. Quarantine golf. And be sure to tag both Jones Sports Co. Jones underscore sports underscore co and Grayson Clothiers in the post. That's at Jones underscore sports underscore. I cannot underscore co and at Grayson Clothiers. G-R-E-Y-S-O-N Clothiers. Be sure to use your Jones and Grayson gear if you got it. 
Yo, if you got it, use it if you got it. I was going to say smoke them if you got them, but obviously I didn't say that. Keep your eyes and ears peeled. Winner will be announced May 25th. Get involved. I will say one of my favorite raincoats on planet Earth is the Jones Grayson Anorak, my friends. It's it's hooded. It's smart. It fits. And I feel like I feel like Michael Jordan in The Last Dance, but that's a little... I don't know if that's a compliment to myself. The truth is I haven't even seen it. I'm going to watch it tonight. Anyway, get involved. Welcome to the Eric Anders Lang Show. This is the first of its kind. Uh, a guy who has no idea what he's doing with any audio equipment. Professional golfer gets sent a kit of camera gear, and I think we figured that out pretty fast, Joel. I feel like we got that in about maybe six minutes, including, I mean, you move furniture around. Yeah, if I didn't have to move the uh, uh, mic holder, I think we'd be in a lot better shape, but um, nonetheless, I got it done. Joel Dahman, uh, PGA Tour player, uh, you're you're a character. Why do people? <laughs> why why are you a character? You're not the normal PGA Tour golfer, and I think that's why you. I, I don't know what what is that. I character is kind of funny. Um, I think I am an everyday man who uh, grew up very blue collar, small town, Eastern Washington. Um, you know, parents worked hard. Uh, I think I'm just kind of the everyday golfer. I I enjoy listening to music. I like drinking beer when I'm on the golf course. I like um, you know playing with random people. I like uh, I like meeting people through golf. I like uh, whatever it is. Um, I play golf professionally. I'm very lucky to do it at a very high level, um, and and have a career out of it. But when I'm home, I, I just kind of go play with uh, play with the buddies and, and hang out, and I think that makes me kind of an everyday guy, an everyday golfer. Um, I think I think I'm more relatable to people than others. You and I have been trying to do an interview for about a year now. It yeah, was, we've been working on yeah, it. Yeah, it was before Wells Fargo. I remember that because I, I remember when when you were coming down the stretch at Wells Fargo, it was like you it was like you were my brother. I was so <laughs> excited, and. Um, and what's funny is in that time, a lot of things have happened. Most notably for me, Golf Digest did a really fascinating article with you. And Max did a really great interview with you. And I remember seeing that come out because his, do you remember the title of the article? Best interview in golf, I believe. Best interview in Which golf. Which I was a little taken, I was, I was taken aback by it, but uh, it was, it's refreshing, I guess. It, it 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 was it was it for me it had like a dual part to read the article because it's like i i had considered us sort of friends through technology and i was really looking forward to talking to you in person because that's one of the things that you know with the podcast we really try to do so you can feel sure. closer you have better quality for the podcast and you know now we just said okay fine we're going to we're going to do this we're not going to wait any longer but um you know, I was excited, but also it's like, oh man, like this is a really, it was a really good interview and I'm encouraging anybody if you like to read, which unfortunately I don't, uh, <laughs> go read the article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Max, Max did a great job. Um, he came out last September, um, I guess kind of in the, in, in our, in our long off season, I think it was, is when he came out here, you know, for, uh, he came out for two days. We had him over for dinner one night. Uh, my wife cooked him a nice meal, and then we um, met up the next day for a couple beers. And we played a little bit of golf. So, uh, yeah, it was it was great. I think Max did a great job on the article as well. Um, there's 
I mean, I don't get sound like I'm on in the middle of Golf Digest all the time, but uh, I've done many interviews, you know, through my career, and uh, some don't always come out maybe exactly how you want them to. And I think you did a good job of of conveying who I was, and um, you know, a little more insight to, to 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 the fans out there. So um, I don't, you know, a lot of people will listen to this at different times. Right now, it is April. We I, do you know the date? I don't think anyone knows the date right now. <laughs> I'm going to go. It's got to be around the 20th, right? 21st, maybe? That sounds right. I, I think it could even be later. I, I, I don't know. But it's it's late April 2020, and that will forever be remembered as the time that the world kind of stood still. You're in Arizona. Yeah, I'm in my, my home in Scottsdale. Um, you're... I mean, how are you doing? I mean, we're not... We're not California is... We, we're not playing golf. You guys are playing golf, and we're all over here jealous, so... Yeah, uh, I, I think there's been some people uh, escaping their, their state lines and, and coming to Arizona, because golf is busy here. I don't care, public golf course, uh, some private clubs. A lot of the private clubs shut down to members only. Um, but it's busy here, and I think uh, it's kind of kept everybody sane. Uh, we put rules in place. There's no bunker rakes. There's no ball washers. Um, one person to a cart. They prefer you walk. Um, pins are left in. Uh, that whole thing. So I think done a pretty good job of it. I mean, um, our 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 cases of COVID nineteen here are actually rather low. I think our death rates rather low as well. So for for golf courses staying open, I think everybody's done a good job of it, knowing that. If we don't follow the, the, the social distancing and, and we kind of screw it up, then our, our golf course is closed. So everyone's good, done a good job of that, but it's really kept us sane. I mean, the best time, as most people know, to play Arizona is in March and April. Um, you wake up, it's 60, 65, and in the heat of the day, it's 80, 85, and you just can't beat it. What is the strangest part for you being a professional athlete, right? I mean, it's like this is supposed to be a pretty busy time of year. Um, it, it, when are you really hit with, wow, this is super strange? Honestly, it might've been yesterday for me, like a month into this thing. Um, I love being home. Um, we wife, we bought a house about two years ago, remodeled it, um, and have been hanging out and, you know, staying home. Uh, it's been great. We have a nice backyard. I got a six year old black lab who Murphy is my best friend. We play fetch all day. Just have a coffee out on a on the patio in the morning, and you know, sit around during the day. And uh, I've I like being home. I I can I said it yesterday. I go, I'm a top hundred golfer in the world, but I'm probably top fifty in the world at sitting on my butt on the couch. So, um, I'm re- my wife's an incredible chef. Like she's so you know, making a ton of meals, uh, healthy stuff. Uh, we're still working out a couple days a week, so we're trying to be normal as possible. But um, for us. I don't have a problem staying home. Uh, I'm really good at it. I can be pretty lazy. So, um, but I think it just kind of hit me. Like the schedule came out, I guess last week for the tour of, of proposed to, to play, uh, June 11th, I think is that Monday of colonial. So, but for me, that's still 50 days away. So like, there's still too, so much time before that, you know, to really start ramping up for that stuff. So, but I think today was like, oh, let's go to Costco. Well, do I need anything in Costco or just going to wander around Costco? That's a whole different thing. So we're not just going wandering around. Uh, you can go get essential items, but you're not hanging out anymore per se. And got some buddies I'd like to go see. And, you know, uh, some we had some trip plans like everybody else probably. And just can't kind of do those things. And 
getting just a hair stir crazy, I guess. Yeah, it's starting to get to that point where I feel like I'm seeing uh, in my neighborhood sort of yards in the evening with more than what could possibly be the inhabitants of that house hanging out, you know? Right, like, right. Yeah, definitely seeing that as well. Yeah, we're just starting to, it's, it's just like, and it's almost like denial in some ways. It's like, well, that's fine. I mean, and, and maybe it is. I mean, I think I actually played golf yesterday for the first time in five weeks in California. And I mean, yeah, it was fine. Like, I mean, I, I put my mask on when I was around other people. There was only one person inside. The transaction yep. to get food was a little scary. Like when I handed her my credit card and then took it back, I was like, I need to, I need to throw you away now. I need to burn you. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, there's, there's certainly a lot of precautions taken. And I don't know if our world will ever be the same after this. I think, uh, you know, there'll be precautions taken all over the place. Whether, you know, I think there'll be some form of social distancing for a long time. And restaurants may never stuff you a hundred people into a tiny room, you know, like it, there may be more space out there. I mean, there's, there's so many things that, you know, will, will shape our future going on here, but, um, you try to look at the positive things. You look at thinking how many people get to spend time with their family now. Like, um, for the most part, I mean, golfers are on the road 25, 30 weeks out of the year. Um, uh, one of my good friends here in town, Brandon Harkins has a five month old baby. He's spending every waking moment with the baby. So, He's probably not as happy as, as others, but, uh, like you get, you get to have all this time with family and, and enjoy it. And, um, you know, I've played more games with my wife and puzzles and, um, experiment with new cocktails or new, new recipes, whatever it may be. So, um, I think there's been, there is a lot of good that will come out of this. Um, hopefully we've flattened the curve and we're on our way out of this whole thing. Um, sounds like we're, we're, we've done a good job of it so far. We need to continue on with that. And, um, Hopefully, like you said, we can get back to our normal day-to-day, whatever that is, after this whole thing. You talked a little bit about, and I've heard a lot of professionals talk about, the experience of, you know, being new on tour. Um, You know, your um, career took... Is your career normal, actually, as you get to the PGA Tour? I'm I'm realizing I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, that's a good... well, Well... I got, there is no normal for, for pro golf, right? Um, some guys, you're Matt Wolf or you're Mark Howe and you win, you know, the summer you get on tour. Like that's, uh, you know, Ricky Fowler kind of did that a little bit, I think. But for most of us, it's more of a journey to get there. Whether it's two, three, four years for me, it was six years, I believe, to, to get on tour. So um, kids are better nowadays than they were. Uh, you know, college kids and the junior game is all prepping you for the tour. So I don't know what... There is no normal per se because golf is so hard and uh, there's so many variables to it. But yeah, I think I had a pretty, what I'd like to got there sooner, sure. But it took me, I played uh, five years on PGA Tour Canada. Um, Mini tours mixed in with that as well, state opens. I've played them all and then um, joined the the web tour at the time. Now the Corn Ferry Tour in 15, played 16, uh, got my card this summer at 16 on the Corn Ferry Tour. And this is the middle of my fourth. You got your... Sorry to interrupt, but this is an interesting point for anyone who's trying to become a professional golfer. You got your tour card by nine hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, it's yeah. it's the you were on the money list and you basically were inside the top twenty five or is it thirty five? Twenty five. So 25, number twenty six yeah. was nine hundred and fifty dollars behind you. I don't even know how that happens, and then that changes your life completely changed my life absolutely in every way shape and form 
uh, a quick note is uh, the guy behind me was he's he's okay at golf and his name is Xander Shoffley. Um, so I over the course I think you know we played 22 to 25 events and over the course of all that it came down to uh, if he would have birdied the 18th hole at our last golf tournament I would have been bumped out he would have got in. Um, and I had to dodge another bullet as well that was uh, oh he was a younger player from Tampa area. Um, but he, he, he was part five on 18. He hit the middle of the fairway and uh, just missed a 10-foot birdie putt. And otherwise, he would have got a tour card, and I would have not. And who knows how that road goes. But do you know all of this on the course, or you're not really? Well, I missed a cut that week. Um, so I was on TV watching. Uh, I was on my couch watching. And, uh, yeah, I went through every game. Well, I cried after I missed a cut Friday, thinking there was no chance I was going to make it. Uh, you know, there's not many opportunities you get like that to, to get to fulfill your dream of being on tour. Um, and it's so hard and it's such a long road to get there. So I missed the cut Friday of Portland. I actually had missed the three previous cuts to that as well. So you could say I was a bit, it was choking kind of late in the year. I was 15th or 16th on the money list and didn't make a cut the last yeah, month. You made 12 out of 20 cuts throughout the regular season, which is impressive. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I think I I had nine top 25 or something like that. So there was some good golf being played. But, um, yeah, the last three events, I, I missed the last three cuts, and that put me in a very tough spot. Um, and somehow I came out on top. But I was – that weekend I was probably drank too many beers Friday, Saturday, and just <laughs> sat on the couch on uh, Sunday and um, really thought there was less than 10% chance of, of this holding on. And it just kind of – for whatever reason, uh, I mean, you can call it destiny, you can call it fate, you can call it, uh, you know, somebody's watching over me, but um, it's, it all fell my way somehow, some way, and I finished 25th on that list. So then you, uh, then you basically, we, we talked a little bit about, and I was, I was going to try to talk to you about, this is, we got a little sidetracked, but your rookie year on tour you have described it as, and I, and I can relate personally, the experience of traveling. I, I'm obviously not a very good golfer, really, but the experience of traveling around incessantly can actually get pretty lonely. And um, you described your first year like that, where it's sort of like, um, you know, there's a community that you're entering into, and you even talked about, you know, people investing time into a newcomer. Can you, can you tell me a little, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it can be very difficult. I was lucky that my wife was traveling with me, or she was a girlfriend at the time, now wife, was traveling with me uh, pretty much full-time. My caddy, Gino, who's my best friend, who's an incredible guy, so uh, we're both navigating this new world, basically, and I compared it to, to like a high school or like a middle school lunchroom. Like, you go in there, grab your lunch, and you go in, and you're like, okay, where am I going to sit? You got, like the, like, the popular guys, and you got the jocks, and then you got the you know, guys, your chess club, you got, you know, all these, all these different things, like, well, where do I fit in? And I didn't really have, I mean, you know, you knew some rookies and stuff, you knew some guys, but if they're not in the room at that time, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Where are you going to sit? We didn't know where we were traveling to. We, you know, like it's new hotels, new cities. Where do you eat? Where do you stay? How do you get the cheapest flights? Like the whole thing is just, it's overwhelming. It really is. Cause then you know, the lights come on on Thursday and you're wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and you're trying your hardest to play golf and then you're trying too hard because you're not playing very well and then it just kind of bleeds over to this whole 
mess. Um, so it's, it's just very difficult to adjust for a guy who, um, you know, I was, I was never the star. I was never an all American in college. I wasn't, I was a good player, junior player, but you know, in the Northwest, pretty local guy. Um, so I never had these worldly experiences where I always was the best player hung out with the best guys. So just became lonely, especially when you miss cuts. I missed, I got two starts in the fall, missed both cuts, uh, missed, it took me till Pebble Beach, that's February on the calendar to make a cut. Um, and that's a long time. That's hard. Um, cause you're spending a lot of money and you're nothing's coming in. Uh, so it gets, it gets tough in every way. And it took me rookie year did not play well. Uh, but luckily kind of figured it out at the end of the summer, got my card back. So I lost my tour card, got it back at the, at the web finals or corn Ferry finals. Um, once again, sweated it out on that sun, the final Sunday, uh, Ended up 24th on that list, a little better than 25th. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. It's, and uh, then, he, you know, I got some more starts. I felt more comfortable the second year round. Got to meet more people, knew these tournaments I was going to, or some of them anyways. And, um, you know, from there it kind of built on itself. It took me 30 events probably, i say 25 or 30 events as a, on the PJ Tour before I felt comfortable of my who I was as a tour player, my, my golf game, you know, and... and week you know everything that goes into a week yeah i mean i would imagine even the like simple logistics of it all are sort of there's a learning curve even there's a ton and there's you know if you're a great player or whatever you're gonna have some more people around you helping you now i could have i had an agent and stuff but like i had always booked my own travel i'd always done everything on my own and so like i wasn't gonna change that per se you know i don't want somebody booking me a 7 a.m flight when i'd rather sleep in a little bit and catch the Southwest flight later that day type of thing. So, um, you know, I just stayed cheapest hotel, whatever it was. I was a Priceline guy. So, um, just all these little logistics that goes into, and it, it starts to wear on you and it starts to build up and it's, you know, and then, uh, when your golf isn't going as well either, it's even more difficult. So, um, golf, good golf takes care of everything, as they say. Um, I mean, as soon as you have a couple good events, you start thinking that you can be out here, you know, for, for a solid career, you can start competing with, with some of the better guys and you get some confidence and all of a sudden, instead of staying in a $75 night room, you can get the Marriott for 125 and then you can, you know, move up to United flights instead of Southwest. And then it just kind of keeps building and building. And, um, you know, fortunately we're four, four years in and, um, we're pretty comfortable in, in who we are and what we're doing and think we have a good game plan to be out here for a long time. What is the highlight so far uh, on the course for you? Uh, probably playing with Tiger Woods is probably the coolest thing I've done. Um, it's I mean, playing with Tiger Woods is the coolest thing I've done. Um, let's uh, let's talk about that for a second. So um, I, I'll only say again, I am not I'm not known for my skill on the golf course. I met Tiger, and I saw the clip of you talking about the watch or something. Was that what those? Yeah, that was you. You you'd, you'd planned your conversation with him forever. Yeah, and it just yeah. exactly. And and I guess what I'm really getting at is like with that clip, it's like even looking back on it, like this was in November, and really realizing that for some reason this person made me more nervous than anyone else on planet Earth, and I don't. 
I'm not like, I can't tell you every Tiger Woods stat. Like I'm not a crazy Tiger Woods fanboy. I mean, I love, I love golf. I love pro golf. I know a lot about it, but it was strange, the experience. And I don't really yet understand it. Can you tell us about your experience? Was, I mean, I played with him the summer of 18. June, June-ish of 18 at his uh, Rocket Mortgage, I believe, was he was hosting the event uh, in D.C. area. I think it was like TBC Avalon, maybe. Uh, Francisco Molinari and putting that one, but... Um, yeah, it was like, there's just a different order. I had only been around at that time. It was my, it was my second year on tour. 16, 17, yeah. So it was just my, I was only 25 events into, the, into my career probably. Um, and I'd only been around him at a couple of events. Like I wasn't getting into those bigger events where he played all the time. And he was just kind of beginning his comeback as well at that same time. So we, it was, uh, I I remember watching the the leaderboard. I finished Friday afternoon. Maybe I finished in the morning. But anyway, I had all afternoon to watch this leaderboard. And he was kind of around me as he was finishing. Um, And I think he finished and I needed two guys to like make a par. One guy needed to make a birdie. Another guy needed to make a bogey or something to make it all shuffle to where I would tee off with him in twosomes. And I got that, you know, I watched when when it, I think Sam Ryder made a bogey on 18 and it, paired me with tiger on saturday and i just it was a moment i'll well i freaked out for a long time but uh i was at dinner with my wife and just like actually the text actually came through said hey you got a tea time it's just you and tiger and i was just just draw just dropped and kind of went ghost white my wife's like are you okay and i'm like i'm playing with tiger she's like oh my goodness so um that was friday night and then i woke up saturday morning to about a million texts <laughs> And a ton of stuff on Twitter, and I'm like, whoa, what's going on on Twitter? Well, Tiger Tracker had dug up a tweet of mine that I said that Tiger is crazy to watch right now. He can't find a fairway. He can hit his driver anywhere. Well, he retweeted that, and he said, well, look like, you know, this young buck, Joel, or whatever, he's uh, he's going to have his handful of Tiger today. Because we were both playing well. We were around, like, top, we were around 10th. Um, so for me, it was also, I had to play well to keep my card at the time. I was around the bubble boy. I was around that 125 mark with only six or seven events to play. And I needed to play well. And all of a sudden, one of the biggest rounds of my life, I'm playing with, you know, this godlike figure in the golf world of Tiger Woods. So, uh, it was, it was wild, but that whole kind of set everything in motion. And I actually saw him in the lunchroom before we teed off. And that made me feel a lot more comfortable that we didn't say anything. It just, Okay. Like he's human too. Like he's using a fork, and you know, it's 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 all gonna be okay. Um, but yeah, I'll never just walk into that. I made sure I got to the tee first, because uh, I don't know. I didn't want to walk into his world. He was gonna walk into my world. I guess that makes no sense. But <laughs> I wanted him to walk to me. Uh, but yeah, I just he was in a trance. Like I think he was in the tiger zone, and I was like, "Hey, I'm Joel," and he, you could see him like almost snap out of it. Like his eyes like flipped on him he's like oh hey i'm tiger nice to meet you you know let's have a great day today and i was like whoa like holy cow um and he said let's have a great that... day today yeah it was awesome it couldn't have been more normal couldn't have been a better guy to play with um just so much fun i mean he birdied uh i we both played pretty well i shot two under your i shot three under he shot four maybe um I shot 69 to his 68, so I played fine. Uh, couldn't have been more nervous early on in the round, but it really settled in and 
kind of got cut up watching him at times. I think he birdied four, five, six, and seven. He birdied four in a row to get to like one back to the lead on Saturday. That was that was fun. I remember this, yeah. Um, and I was just kind of chasing him around a little bit, but it was uh, just an experience I'll never forget. And he could have been better to play with. He was he was great to he was nice. We chatted quite a bit, um, and could see why he was the greatest player of all time at one time. Any golf takeaway for you? And did you learn anything? And was there anything where you were just like, I can't wait to tell this to someone? What did Gino think? Gino was losing his marbles. Well, we had we had joked all morning of what are you going to say to him? Are you going to hug him? Are you just going to shake his hand? Like, are you going to have a funny joke for him? Like, what is the what is the plan here? Um, you know, obviously we, it was just all the things that you would say to Tiger, what you ever think about, and you just try to keep it as normal as possible. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was just a blast. At one time, after he made his fourth birdie in a row, it was so loud around us. It was kind of amphitheater green. It was so loud, and Gino just yelled. He goes, this is effing awesome, and no one could hear him because we're in the middle of this. It was just, uh, it was, that was an experience I'll never forget. On that seventh green, the fourth birdie in a row, and Gino was screaming, and no one could hear him. Like, just how cool it was. Um, that moment, yeah, it was just uh, I was down to a two to play, and Gene was like, "We we got it, we got to birdie these last two, so we can probably play with them again tomorrow." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay." So I birdie 17. It's a hard bar three, and I make a 30 footer. I birdie it, and we're walking 18. He's like, "Okay, you got to make another birdie. You got to make another birdie." Uh, I'm like, "Okay." I just missed birdie. He bogeys 18. So I must have been three down with two to play. I lose by one. There's still like a chance I could play with him, uh, but. I think somebody else got him on Sunday, or obviously somebody else got him on Sunday. But we were, it was just a experience, you know, you'll never forget. It was my first time playing in front of crowds, really, like big-time crowds. Um, first time playing in anything that nervous for that extended period of time. Like, you're just always nervous. Um, and I even, never, I mean, there's a lot of people, you're like, don't want to embarrass yourself in front of Tiger. You want to, like, prove that you can play golf. Um, and I think I did that okay. And actually, after that... Um, the next week, I finished fifth at Greenbrier, my best finish. Locked up my tour card the week after that. I finished second at John Deere. Uh, best finish on tour. Had two other top five, two other top tens in the year, and ended up like 70th on the FedEx Cup. So that whole Saturday with Tiger, I think, you know, shooting a couple under with him spurred, like, the rest of that summer and really kind of sparked my career if you look at the results directly from that Saturday on forward. What do you attribute that to? I mean, because he didn't give you a swing tip. If you can play solid golf in, in that environment with that many people around in front of that guy on a pretty hard golf course, you can do it anywhere, anytime. So when I was coming down the stretch on the weekend at Greenbrier, I was not nearly close as ner- nervous as I was the previous Saturday. So, like, if you can do it in that environment, you can do it anytime. It's easier to play, I think, Sunday around the lead than it is to play with Tiger Woods. Whoa. Yeah, it's just, a, for a guy like me, I mean, you got JT, and he's buddies with a lot of those Jupiter guys and those top guys now, but, I mean, for anybody who's not in that circle of Tiger, um, it is way harder and more nerve-wracking to play with him than try to win a golf tournament, for sure. On tour, you're essentially a silhouette on TV, right? You, you really, it's hard to really in the fairway, Joel has a bucket hat and I'm into bucket hats. So we're immediately friends. Um, all right. What, 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 I mean, how come people don't wear bucket hats more often on the PGA tour? (laughs) 
the tour is a uh, very cookie cutter um very robotic um it's a it's an old school game with a lot of traditions um and no one likes to break those traditions or be um you know the kind of guy that stands out in any way other than maybe with their golf clubs um you've seen it forever with almost everybody uh, but this is kind of a new wave, you know, we have up and coming generation, uh, guys, we, we grew up with social media, um, I can say that we were rebellious in any way per se, but that we, we were, we're okay with doing things a little bit different, I guess. Um, golf is still kind of stuck in the old school. It's still wealthy. It's white. Um, it's country club. It's elitist. And I hate that, um. I mean, I grew up in a small town at a country club, but it cost 125 bucks a month for a family of four. That included unlimited golf, a locker room, pool, and our dining fees. So, like, pretty blue-collar country club. It was incredible, incredible place to grow up. Um, I mean, people pay three times that much for just a one round of golf, and I'd play 50 rounds of golf in a month for that. Um, but that's growing up in a small town, very blue-collar. So... I just think the traditions of the game, like, I I think a lot of them are great, but it's okay to maybe ruffle the feathers every now and then and have a little more fun and play music and, you know, have fun with your buddies out. So, for me, maybe the bucket has, is, well, became my kind of signature this last two years, but something I always just kind of did, I, I wore around here in Scottsdale because I didn't want to get beat up by the sun. Uh, I mean, you look at some of the old guys who've been out in the sun forever, um... I just don't look very good. So uh, with that, uh, I was kind of more strictly for, for skin care, knowing I was going to be doing this for 40 or 50 years. Um, and then it kind of turned into its own thing, and you start playing decent golf, and people recognize a different guy out there with a bucket hat, and like, oh, hey, what's going on here? And then um, it's kind of taken off on a, on a life of its own now. All right, folks, Adidas. Adidas is pushing the boundaries once again in golf footwear. And if you've been counting, I don't. I haven't been counting. It's a lot of times, but they're doing it again. So whatever many times it's been, it's add one. Uh, so you need to check this out. It's called the Code Chaos, all capitals. The footwear team let me know that this shoe was meant to break down traditional stereotypes and make a statement that there doesn't have to be one look for the sport when it comes to golf footwear. It's authentic. It's athletic and bold from a style standpoint. But this shoe is seriously packed with technology. It's spikeless, but beyond just being tested with guys like DJ and Xander, they did heat map studies. Heat map. That means they know where you are right now. They literally know. And watch, I'm telling you, you're going to get an ad for Adidas footwear in your feed. I'm telling you, and I just, it's not me. I don't know if it's them. It's probably Xander, not DJ. Xander's got an X in his name, so he's a little more sinister. Even though I would not, I would probably feel more likely that DJ would really he could he could do some damage with the club um, to my face. So to see how players shift their weight, they use this heat mapping technology to, to see where they shift their weight, but also where you are physically at this current moment uh, throughout the swing. So anyway, with all that info, they created a new traction system called Twist Grip. Twist Grip. That's spelled the way it sounds. Anyway, so the players get the grip they need exactly where they need it, and this is an ad lib, and when they need it. That's I just added that. Uh, it's waterproof. Waterproof is key. Let's get let's get honest, folks. If you want a waterproof shoe, unless you live in the desert, you can wear sandals or moccasins. 
But for everybody else, you need the waterproof shoes. So hit up the code chaos. It's waterproof, lightweight, and obviously has the boost cushioning, which we all love. There's even a high top boa version, which I'm not sure I'm man enough to rock, but John Rahm is. But he's also, he's very, very good at golf. We can all agree. These things are next level. So get yourself a pair. Head over to adidas.com slash code chaos. Spelled the way it sounds. Although the C-H in chaos is sounds more like a K. So it's C-O-D-E-C-H-A-O-S. And shop the styles and follow Adidas Golf on Instagram and Twitter for all the latest news from the Trois Stripes. That's three stripes, folks. All right, I'm going to catch me now. We got let. Give me a second, all right? I'm about to do an ad read for Vice Golf. I don't even have a read, so this is a this is an ad lib. This is an ad libbed lib read. Anyway, Vice Golf, you all know I love the brand. Uh, they make a great golf ball, and there are things that I would tell you in person about the golf ball that I can't tell you in a public forum. But basically, the golf ball is amazing. Technically speaking, on test, it performs as good or better than what we call, quote, the best golf ball on tour. Now, the Vice Golf Ball also has one cool thing, which is that it's cool. Obviously, the scripting is really sweet. But beyond that, as another cool thing, I'm going to keep pulling cool things out of this ball. The second cool thing is that you can't get it in a pro shop. So go online, go to vicegolf.com and get your slick balls. They've got all different types. They've got the tour. They've got the drive. They've got the pro. They've got the pro plus. They've got different colors. And you can also personalize less than uh, you can personalize. I don't know what number you can personalize, but you can personalize them. Whereas other brands don't let you personalize them except for once a year. So check out vicegolf.com. Get yourself some smooth and cool balls for the course, that is. Anyway, y'all, see you in the showers until the next ad read. All right, whoop, folks. Whoop, W-H-O-O-P. I think you know what I'm talking about. You've seen Rory wearing it. You may have seen me wearing it, and I'm pretty much into this wearable device. Wearable technology. Wearable. I like it. At first, I was like not sure if I was going to like having this thing on my wrist, but I'm into it mostly because of the incredible amount of information that it gives me about me and my life and how to perform better. Like I'm not going to ever be some amazing athlete, but I do like getting this feedback from my body. So basically, it has inside of it this crazy light that reads not only your heart rate, but all sorts of other things about your body, mostly the the time in between heartbeats, the heart rate variability, that's key. Um, anyway, it provides personalized insights on the performance of your sleep and how recovered your body is and how much stress you put on your body throughout the day from your workouts and the normal stressors of life. Big key takeaway, walking 18 holes, that's a workout, folks. No joke. Um, so anyway, when I get up, I look at my whoop score. I try to see how I slept last night. Uh, and I've tried to incorporate takeaways to get better sleep. And, uh, especially when traveling and stuff like that, cause rest is really important and, uh, the quality of sleep is really key. So, you know, it, it has all these, you know, suggestions for getting better sleep. The biggest takeaway is consume a lot of water. Um, also I've started exercising more. This thing plugs in great to all of my exercise routines and I can see exactly where I'm at, at my, uh, max heart rate. Um, it's got a built-in feature with a strain coach that it gives you target exertion goals and workout to work out optimally for the level of intensity. Um, it basically is a personal assistant for your working out. Um, and folks, Big deal for you guys. They're offering 15% if you use the code EAL at checkout. That's 15% off com and enter EAL at checkout to get your discount. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter. 
optimize your performance with Whoop. Uh, it's got it's custom tailors to your body. It takes like a like a little bit of time to get to know you, and then it knows you, and it's fun because I've got a lot of friends that use it, and we talk about it. I'm like, yo, what was your sleep score last night, bro? And basically, it's how early did you go to bed and how early did you wake up and did you get distracted while sleeping? Um, it tracks all four stages of your sleep, slow, wave, REM, light, and when you wake up, and it can tell you how much sleep you've actually gotten down to the minute. So it's like the first thing I do when I wake up is I just check it and I'm like, yo, what, how did we do last night? And I can tell, I can notice the difference now. And it's kind of like that awareness wasn't really there before using the whoop strap. Um, the whoop journal allows you to track the decisions that you make during the day and the impact that those have on your recovery. And basically guys, whoop can help anyone perform better, whether it's preparing for a golf match Yo, yeah. Race, meeting, etc. Whoop can help plan out your day and make smarter lifestyle decisions to help you feel better than ever. And I can say I have definitely improved in a lot of areas there, whether even now when I walk 18, like I feel better. You know what I mean? And I think part of that is you're just focusing on your body's performance. And this is the tool that gives you the insight to do that. So please go check it out. Support the people that support us. Whoop.com. W-H-O-O-P. Enter code E-A-L at checkout to get 15% off. Taylor made folks. I got to tell you the first golf clubs that ever went in my little old hands were Taylor made burner oversize. They had some crusty old grips that I redid myself at risk of my own fingertips with the razor. And I, and I got high cause there's an, I don't know if you ever regripped your clubs, but you, you, you become an, an inhalant addict cause you're putting like really noxious stuff. Don't, don't grip your own clubs unless you really want to. Anyway, mad respect. Give me a fist bump whenever I see you. I, I grip my own clubs. I put the grips on them myself. I saved. How much did you save? I mean, you could save money. You save money because I think you put them on. It's like twenty bucks each, and you and you buy the grips yourself. It's like eight bucks. By the way, regripping fourteen clubs. I mean, you, that's like a lot. Go buy TaylorMades instead. They come with grips. My favorite TaylorMade edition now, obviously the Sim Max I'm playing is a monster club. One of the many things Tiger Woods have an eye in common is playing the Sim. But also, I really, I kind of love the wedges. The raw-faced wedges, MG. I both love the high toe in matte black. I also have a matte black shaft. I know you didn't ask, but I went ahead and told you. Anyway, TaylorMade, my favorite thing about TaylorMade, beyond the incredibly performing equipment, is the people that make this company up. The, the, band, of, the band of brothers down here, the band of sisters, the family in Carlsbad, really, really gets behind what we do. And that means it's important for you to get behind what they do. So go support TaylorMade, everybody, and hit them straight or just don't, just just hit them with TaylorMades, though. Just get some, just stop messing around with all the others. Hit them straight with TaylorMade, but just hit TaylorMade at least. I mean, if you're not, I mean, just just go, I mean, what are you doing? Just pause the pod, go on TaylorMade, what's their website? I don't even, they don't even need a website. Just go find TaylorMade ASAP. There should be, what? What I play? I play the... Okay, Studio is asking me to play... I pay the P760s, four through pitch. Then I've got the milled grind raw face, 50, 54, and 58. And then I rock... I'm in between the Gapper and the Sim Hybrid right now. I play the two Gapper. Uh, I've got a steel shafted 6.5 Project X in that one, as with all the irons. And then on the driver, I have the uh, Sim Max with a nine degree. I'm still working on getting my numbers on that. I don't really know. I got the ten and a half and the nine. We're going to do a little experimentation. Maybe, honestly, you know what? Whatever one I don't use, how about it's yours? How about that? We're gonna, I don't know how we're going to manage this. 
head over to the Instagram account. Get ready for the old giveaway of the a driver that I can't hit. <laughs> anyway, TaylorMade's the family, folks. How did you become like, I, I guess I'm putting words in your mouth, but maybe addicted to golf or in love with golf? How would you describe it? That's a really good question. Um, so grew up in a small town. Uh, my, my dad played. My dad got me started in it. Uh, he was a good player. He got down to five or six handicaps, so he could play. Um, he taught my mom to play uh, when they had met. So and she was a good she was a good athlete. She played uh, basketball growing up, and um, she got to where she was a bogey golfer. Um, so she get around just fine, but she hit it pretty far, and um, it's just kind of what we did. We just played golf. I played all sports, um, played baseball, basketball, soccer, football. I mean, I did it all. So um, golf was easy for me to just, I lived two blocks away from the golf course, hop on the golf cart, drive down, spend all day there. Um, didn't have to have anybody around. Could do it on my own. And then, you know, my dad got off work. He'd come out in the afternoons and, and hang out with me. So I got, I was very naturally gifted at golf um, at age four, I believe. I think I shot 49 in, in nine holes. Um, and kind of took off from there. I mean, I was, years uh, old. yeah, I was just kind of a natural golfer. So I always had that in me. And then, um, as I stopped growing, I was a pretty big kid. So I was a good basketball player. I was in my small town. I was the best basketball player, football player. But as soon as I got to high school, I didn't grow anymore and everyone else did. So I was, I had the, when you're six foot, you know, 150 pounds, you're not going to be getting any scholarships for D1 for football or basketball. So uh, my dad saw writing on the wall for me um, and he saw that golf was going to be my future and that was probably where I was going to end up. So kind of pushed me in that direction and, and uh, I'm lucky he did. I don't, I don't love it maybe as much as other tour players do. I love, I love competitions. I love being competitive. I don't, I struggle with the process of getting better. I don't like to beat balls on the range the whole time. I'm not going to spend hours chipping and putting. Um, I'll go play golf with you and have a great time and cruise around. And that's, for me, it's fun. Hanging out with your buddies and stuff. Not, I'll play eight days a week with my buddies rather than hitting a bucket of balls on the range. For sure. Interesting. Um, but I love the competition. Like, you get me, you know, inside the ropes and, um, you know, trophies at the end and a lot of money. I'm, I'm all in on that. It's so interesting. I mean, <clears throat> the uh, wonder why. I mean, you know, the, the is is the range. Um, it almost seems like, in some ways, if you don't look at it right, the driving range, whether it's professional or amateur, it is really like it could be a place of a way to gain certainty, or it could be to perpetuate uncertainty. Almost like I, I almost play better without the driving range, without yeah. thinking about my wrists at the top, um, you know, and just sort of, okay, the ball's going a little right, aim a little left. Okay, good. Right, exactly. Like, uh, I grew up without, I mean, my, my dad taught me, but no real instruction, and I didn't even have, like, I had a couple guys here and there help me out, but no, like, it was always kind of feel golf. I'm still very much a feel player. I've been working with the same coach now for four or five years, and he's certainly taken me to the next level. And when I see him, when I see Rob, uh, Rob Rochelle is his name. He played on tour in early 2000s and played a couple U.S. Opens. He was a great player. Um, when I see him, that's when, okay, we're going to put a couple hours in. And we're going to use the track man and we're going to dial things in. But 
my swing hasn't changed a ton over the years. Um, he's he's helped me understand my swing, but I pretty much hit the same all the time as long as my alignment's the same. And but if sometimes I feel like a fade, I'm gonna hit more of a fade, and sometimes I feel like a draw, I'm gonna hit more of a draw. I don't have. Um, it's just kind of what I show up with that day, and that's kind of how I go with that. So I don't really need the range per se. I use it for purely warming up, and uh, you can you know go from there. What's your favorite shot on the golf course? My favorite shot is like a big cutting three wood on a, into a par five. Um, I'm just thinking about how rarely I've pulled it off uh, <laughs> lately, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, or well, it's that one or like a, a, a strong hard hybrid. I have a I have the same hybrid in my bag since two thousand eleven. That thing is worn down. It's been through everything, and uh, it's just too good. I've made, uh, you know, it's a great par three club for me. Uh, go for two and par fives. It's been great. But I love that like two twenty five to two fifty number going for a par five. That's that's a lot of fun. Worst uh, least favorite shot. Fairway bunker shots for me are just awful. Uh, I went through a phase where I hit the lip on everyone, no matter if there was no lip or lip, I managed to hit it. Uh, and then uh, I got to a phase where I didn't want to do that anymore, so I chunked everyone for a long time. Uh, so that's always fun. You just At least it's out of the bunker and it's forward, but uh, it's not necessarily the, uh, the best. So I've, I've improved that a lot uh, recently, but it's still just terrifying in there for me. So I avoid those at all costs. Um, do you and Gino play while, while he's catting for you in a professional event, do you guys have any like games or anything like that? I feel like you're a, do, do you do anything like that? Yeah, we, he's always got something up his sleeve. Um, you know, obviously if, if we're playing well, we have enough on the line. We probably don't need to make a $5 bet on something, but every, we have $5 bets running total for history of like, it could be, what time the plane takes off to what time our food is served to, um, you know, like I'll give him, you know, a 30 foot putt and I'll give him five to one on $5 or an up and down or whatever it is. So we, we play games back and forth all the time. And there are certainly times like he's probably unsure on the golf shot. I'm like, all right, like give me odds on it. Then like, I bet I can draw this five iron around the street and knock it on the green. <laughs> uh, so we've certainly, we've certainly done those things. A ton practice round is all of that. pro arms are fun, but, um, there's certainly been some some uh, maybe motivational bets uh, on during during a round of golf for him for sure. What do you do? I mean, a lot of amateurs ask the question a lot: is like, what can I do to get better? What's the best tip to get better? And I I heard someone say I've heard a lot of interesting takes from tour players, whether it's aim for the middle of the green course management mm -hmm. stuff i mean do you do i mean i'm sure when you play in pro-ams people hit you with questions like this yeah i think i think this is even true for the players at the top level of the game but in the simplest form if you have no penalty strokes no three putts and no two chips your score is going to drop dramatically for most and you know if you're an 18 handicapper or even you know a 10 to 12 and you don't have those things you're going to almost always break 80 um if you can, you know, get to every hole in regulation. So, and you could, like, you know, you're, people are going to hit bad shots, but it's like choosing your target to avoid a hazard. Or like, I don't like this whole, I always, you know, I always pull driver in the water. Well, if you're going to do that and make a double, might as well hit seven iron, seven iron, seven iron and make a five. Like, type of thing like that. So, like, if you're truly playing for score, 
you can avoid those things. And then, you know, I know three-putt thing is tough. We all three-putt on tour, but um, the the speed control of an amateur putter is horrific compared to a PJ Tour player. Interesting. Speed control in the greens is comical. Anything, I mean, even if you, you know, it's a classic one. Oh, what do you think here, Joel? Well, I think it's like a cup out right. And he, like, hits it eight feet past the hole. He's like, it didn't break. I go, well, you just hit it eight feet past the hole. If you hit it a foot past the hole, it probably would have broke. Right. Um, so just consistent speed control in the greens is, is really bad. Um, and if you don't two-chip, I mean, there's hard shots, but just get it on the green, around the greens is important. You know, a lot of people, like, have this <clears throat> lifelong relationship with golf, you know, and it's sort of been looked at in so many ways, and <clears throat> it's kind of this, you know, paradox, right? It's like there's all these sort of weird things about golf. The more you care, the worse you play, the... You hit down to make the ball yeah. go up. You you know you hit it right to go left. You 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 want to have the lowest number of strokes. Uh, a good round is the one that's done the fastest, kind of thing. Um, you know, it's a strange game. It, that's really that's really strange. Yeah. Have you like? It, does that still exist for you? Or did it ever? I don't think so. I think I've always kept the game very simple. Um, very, I think I've, I've always just kind of kept it in front of me and, and kept it very simple and enjoyed it for what it is. I think that um, the fun thing, like, I think you can go play your home course every single day and something different is going to happen every single day. Like, you're going to be you know, all of a sudden you're like, I've never hit it here before. Like, this is a new challenge. I I think it's important for golfers to think of everything as a new challenge instead of like, oh, I suck today. It's like, no, it's just a different challenge presented because you hit it over here in the right trees instead of the left trees. Um, think of things like in that aspect is, I think, more fun. And just, especially for your everyday golfer, they're just out here, they're weekend hackers having a great time with their friends. Like, enjoy that. Um, I think I've just kind of kept golf simple for what it is. It's a great... Way to hang out with your friends outdoors, meet new people. Um, like, uh, you get to travel all over the world and do, you know, these, play these incredible places as well. Like, I don't, like, you can't, playing basketball, like, I don't care what hoop you are or what, you know, there's some special gyms probably, but we're not going to go into Staples Arena or we don't get to go into, you know, these places and shoot hoops. Like, you can go play these really cool golf courses all over the world and have these experiences um, and I think that's a cool thing about golf is just keeping it simple and appreciating it for what it is instead of maybe getting too crazy with it. So why do you play golf? I play, why do I play golf? Well, there's, there's two very different answers for me. I think I play golf on tour because it provides me an incredible opportunity of financial freedom um, that I could have doing nothing else. Um, the competition out there is second to none. Like I couldn't, no matter how much I play with, you know, uh, uh, there's just no way that competition's there. Like I, that, that really gets the, the, the juices flowing. Um, I play golf at home to hang out with friends, to, uh, meet new people, to enjoy the camaraderie, to drink a six pack of beer over the course of 18 holes, to, go out for an emergency nine, like those, that's, that's, I, I prefer, much prefer that type of golf 
especially after a long season of 25 events or three or four events in a row. I just want to get back home and play with my buddies. And, you know, some guys are smoking stogies. Some guys are blasting music. Um, I just like the camaraderie of hanging out on a golf course and having a small $5, $10 bet. You know, $5 Nassau is nothing better than that. That's that's awesome, man. I mean, that's something that, you know, I think we can all relate to. You know, I think that, you know, we... Uh, the second part, that is, not the not the first part. Sure. <laughs> hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you, you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. But it is interesting how, you know, especially in this time now, that we see with the absence of, you know, golf on television, uh, you know, golf for the fans as an entertainment um, <clears throat> story. It's strange, you know, it's a strange experience. Um, and I don't know if in our lifetime we'll ever have anything like this again. Um, I doubt it. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is, I mean, this is, you know, we always said, you know, 9-11 kind of changed our lives in a way, everybody's lives. Uh, this is going to change our lives. We're going to always look back on this as this thing that changed, hopefully for the, for the good, and there'll be it'll be a new normal out there, whatever that is. Um, but yeah, I think this is absolutely wildly unprecedented, and um, hopefully something good comes out of it, and hopefully it ends quickly. Have you or your friends or anyone tried to visualize the experience of playing pro golf without fans? We laughed about it. Uh, Brooks Kepka made a comment just a day or two ago. He's like, without fans, we're going to lose our golf ball. I go, Brooks, welcome to my world, buddy. I stand on that first tee and I see my see my wife. I see uh, somebody else's wife and maybe a grandma out there watching. I, we don't have fans running around with every group. So uh, I kind of laugh. You know, without, I think he, he mostly met probably spotters. But um, it is nice when you play with all those people because maybe you hit it outside the ropes and now it's a flat lie instead of, you know, crumbled up in all the – the, the rough and um you know you get a ball that rattled, you know it's in a tree and you don't know where it ends up and they're like oh it landed over here because you have a hundred people or 200 people around instead of four so um for most of us it won't be different thursday friday it'll change a ton on the weekend if you're playing well that'll be an interesting one because um the fans give us life like the fans like if you had a good shot and they go crazy like that's a lot of fun especially when you're in contention um I always laugh that I hit great golf shots no matter how good or bad I'm playing into big corporate greens. You know, they're surrounded by stuff because I want the applause. I want them to root for me. Um, I want the feeling of making a 15-footer and, and the crowd goes wild. Like, that's really fun. Like, I love that part of the game as well. Um, hopefully I get good enough where I have that Thursday, Friday as well. But, um, yeah, for I think it'll be interesting when you have a putt to win a golf tournament for a million dollars on the 18th hole. And it could feel like a Wednesday practice round. Like, it would just be like nothing's going on out there. So that will be really, really interesting because the blood is still going to be pumping. It's still going to be going nuts. But normally there's like a, a little subtle buzz going on around, and it's just going to be deathly silent. That'll be interesting. That's going to be so strange. I mean, I almost think that they should have speakers. Uh, like, like. Totally agree. They should have like a little bit of buzz around where they'd have normally corporate tents. Like I'm thinking Colonial, like 18 is a cool little amphitheater. They have some nice stuff on the right side. 
clubhouse behind. Uh, they do a good job on 17 green as well. That's completely surrounded. 16, 17, 18 are completely surrounded greens that are normally pretty loud and kind of a fun spot. So if they could maybe just throw a little music on or anything, just to, just to maybe make it feel a little nor- uh, more normal, that'd Have be awesome. we, Do we know if the media is going to be allowed to the event? It must be. I have heard the media will be available, um, obviously in some capacity. Yeah. But they will be on site. It'll be like an Instagram live, and they just throw in comments as questions. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's crazy. No, maybe we go. You'll have to come out and check check one of the first couple of events out and see how crazy it is. I would. I mean, there's nothing. I would be so fascinated to see that because I mean, you know, you don't really know what something is until you start pulling away parts of it. And then you see, like, I mean, you know, it's, it's a real equation there. I mean, pro sports in general are nothing without a fan. I mean, there's, there's no reason. Totally agree. Absolutely. So interesting. Yeah. To, to strip it down to the bare bones will be uh, very interesting. It'll be very different for, for a lot of those top guys um, and may th- throw them off a little bit. I mean, just not having that normal, you know, their, their sense of normal is different than my sense of normal on the golf course. Um, so who knows? Uh, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out for a while, but, you know, um, golf is better with fans around. I guarantee you that. When, um, what, so do you, a, a lot of players before a tournament have like a, you know, I don't, I'm not really, I actually don't know too much about it, but there's like the outfit arrives. It fits perfectly. It's all good to go. What's your, what's your fashion (laughs) protocol like? And when will you find out what you're going to wear for the, uh, for the Mm. first event of the year or the the first event after that? That is classic. Um, there are a handful of guys that have their clothes in their locker. Um, nicely pressed. Here's your Thursday through Sunday outfit. Here you go. Um, here's your hat. Here's your shoes. Here's your belt. Like, that's fine. And they get paid a ton of money to do that. And uh, they're probably, you know, deservedly so. Great. Uh, for me, it is what is clean, what is on top, what am I going to grab first? Um, I've, I've worn Linksole this year. is my first time with Linksole. And I, they're, they're a great company. Um, I enjoy their stuff. It's pretty plain though, overall. Like, I mean, you have your, your, your typical gray tones, I guess. So um, can't really mismatch too much. I think uh, I either wear a gray or black pair of shoes, a gray or black belt, and then anything kind of goes with that from there. So um, I was trying to do a thing when I first turned pro where I wore purple on Sunday because I went to University of Washington, a big Husky guy. And then like the second week or third week of trying it, it the shirt I had wasn't clean, so I didn't wear it. And then that was the end of that whole thing. So <laughs> um, there's, uh, there's no rhyme or reason to what I wear. Um, I, I I have a bucket hat and I have a shirt and pants on and that's about it. Tell me about your bucket hat. You've got you, the bucket hat has changed over the years. What do you, what's the bucket hat now? I know that that's important to you. Yeah, so um, wore it for about a year uh, just because keeping the sun off me and, and whatever. And uh, uh, actually, right after playing with Tiger, um, it kind of blew up one of uh, I guess one of my good friends buddies owns a company and he's like hey you don't have a hat sponsor i said no i've had one for a while he's like cool let's do something i'll, I'll sponsor you for the end of the year so it's great so i ordered bucket hats from imperial uh it was with tradition energy with alan Kurzer. he was awesome stepped up for the end of the year wore that for 
um, a while, or that for uh, over a year, um, and then uh, I met with MD Anderson uh, Cancer Center, um, and that's kind of near and dear to me. It was kind of met him on a whim, really. It wasn't like a planned thing per se, but met up at the Players Championship, and um, I had cancer myself in 2011. My mom had cancer in 05 and passed away, and then my brother had cancer in 09. So cancer is a history in my family. We have it. Um, cancer hits everybody, whether it hits you personally or somebody in your family or friends. So, um, but MD Anderson has been a huge sponsor of the PJ tour. They've been one of their ambassadors for five or six years. And it was a perfect fit for me because they do skin cancer screenings at four or five events a year. Um, you know, they do a lot of stuff surrounding the, the, the PJ tour, the champions tour. And, uh, it was just a perfect fit. Really. I wore my bucket hat. Um, and, you know, we, we slapped the, 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 the strikeout cancer logo on there and I've been an ambassador of theirs for um, a little over a year now. Um, and it's been, it's been fun to partner with them. I've done a lot of activations with them. And I think when people see my, my cancer hat, it's a sign of hope. Um, you know, if they have it, know somebody has it, you know, I've, I'm nine years clean now and um, excelling as much as I ever have. So I think it's important to have something bigger than myself or bigger than golf and um, you know, so people see that cancer sign as a, as a, as a sign of hope. That's great, man. I mean, that's, that's, uh, it's such a cool way to not only like honor your family and you, but also offer, like you said, support to other people. I mean, that's like, that's really great, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's been fun. We've been selling hats, uh, for about the last year and, uh, proceeds go to MD Anderson Cancer Center and, um, it's kind of been fun that my bucket brigade, as we call them now, has kind of taken off in this last year. And, uh, you see more and more bucket hats out there. It's, uh, it's starting to become a thing for sure. Is, is it because of your personality and your individualism, do you feel like people resonate with you perhaps more than, you know, otherwise, or, you know, is it, what's the feeling like? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think that, um, like I said, I'm just kind of an everyday guy. Like I've, I don't know. I do pretty much a normal dude who happens to get the ball in the hole faster than, than the other guys a little bit quicker. That's all. So, I mean, I got, you know, I'm pretty, pretty normal dude. So I think I just resonate with them. I'm willing to chat with fans throughout the week. I'll, I'll chat with them midterm at sometimes, um, you know, whatever it is, I'll practice around, say hi. I'll, I'll take some extra time to, to, to talk to people and, um, I try to engage with fans because, you know, they're out there watching us or spending their hard-earned money to, to support us out there. So um, I think Wednesday, our Pro-Am day, is, is some of the most important, you know, days because we're, we're, we're time with sponsors. They're actually paying our purses, and they're the one that keeps things going. So I try to make the guys' Pro-Am days as, as uh, you know, as good as possible. I'll read their putts and try to tell them funny stories and try to make sure that they have a lot of fun because they're spending a lot of money. And, um I think I just, I don't know. I'm okay with making fun of myself as well. I'm okay with, uh, you know, just kind of being who I am. I'm not, for a while I was kind of different maybe as a pro golfer. I was trying to be a pro golfer. I was trying to be serious. I was trying to do all the things that I thought pro golfers did. And then as soon as I kind of let that all go and, and I was myself, I my golf game came around and um, lo and behold, people actually kind of liked me. Right. Well, I like you. I think everyone listening to this podcast is going to like you. And I'm really excited to see, you know, 
what it's like to go out there and play with no fans. And <laughs> yeah, certainly. <laughs> um, but I'm really excited to see, you know, the rest of your career and, you know, I wish you the best of luck and thanks for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Anders. Thanks, we'll uh, hopefully find you at a random golf club nearby. Soon. I would love that, dude. I mean, I'll drive to Arizona right <laughs> now if that's what you're talking about. We can, uh, well, I almost joined you for your, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday outing at the Phoenix Open. I think you're at Orange Tree Golf Club, which I only live like a mile away from. Do you so. really? Dude, that's fun, man. That was a great time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool little spot for sure. So and that's I think it's awesome what you're doing with that random golf club stuff and getting everyday people involved. Thanks, man. So. Dude, that's yeah. that's so sweet, man. Yeah, Love I mean, it. we've got your um, yeah. bag tag ready to go. We just haven't sent it out yet. We're going to send it out in the next week or two. Yeah, I will wild times right now but no i signed up for that that email right yeah. away i was uh, i was in and uh if you ever get another one around that i'm available i'm definitely coming out um yeah i just i want to do it it's that it, nothing makes me happier than doing that and if you're listening to the pod and you've been following it like those events are just like I, it's the same like it's like i you you like I wonder if you would play tournament golf if there were no fans and if the money was still the same you probably would right yeah, I, yeah, I would. I absolutely. It just wouldn't be the same. It just, it wouldn't. The, no, it wouldn't be as much fun. It wouldn't be. Yeah, it wouldn't be the same at all. You're it'd right. Be so different. I don't know. I mean, it's it's so strange. I mean, because I think a lot about how I really wouldn't go play golf alone. Like I wouldn't. Really, I don't want to. I want to go play with people. It's such a wonderful, valuable piece of time. Absolutely. Totally agree with that for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't, I don't play golf alone. I don't practice alone either. I make sure that someone's out there with me or I got a buddy at least 10 feet away I can yell at. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't practice alone. I don't play alone. Um, golf is more fun, enjoyed with, with friends and, and new friends. Right. Well, dude, I look forward to that, man. Thanks for bringing that up. That's awesome. That's a, yeah, for sure. That's a good. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, man.